welcome back to Getting to the Top, where we interview transformational leaders about their leadership journey in hopes that we can inspire you on yours and big goal to make the world a better place. So today I'm having a wonderful conversation with Lisa and Joseph. So Lisa's going to talk to us about two very different things. One, we're going to talk to Lisa about her career as she came out of corporate and went into entrepreneurship. But we're also going to talk to her about the coaching that she does. So if you think about some major brands, she has coached leaders at those brands. And so, and, and quite often, very diverse leaders. And so it'd be interesting for us to understand, especially from her uh, unique perspective, what are some of the things that she teaches, coaches, and guides people through that would be important things for us to know as we're on our own leadership journey and pursuing the highest levels of leadership. Welcome, Lisa Ann. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I want you to uh, introduce yourself in your own words so that we get a little bit about you and your background and the company that you have, and then we'll, we'll get into what the journey was like, and then we'll get into some exciting stuff around um, your coaching. Excellent. Well, I own and operate one of the leading public relations and crisis communications agencies in Trinidad and Tobago. And um, we may even venture within the Caribbean. We can certainly compete within the Caribbean space uh, in public relations and crisis communications. It's a full service agency. And uh, um, we have been in business for the last 14 years. So we are pretty much on our way uh, of becoming a Caribbean entity. Fabulous. All right. So now let's talk about how did you get on this journey? Where did you start? What, what were you doing first? Hmm. Interesting. I started in dance. My family's business still is in dance. Uh, my father is Eugene Joseph. Uh, for some people who may or may not know him, uh, my parents have been in dance since I was born and uh, they continue to do so up to today. And they too are still teaching and they're nice. pretty busy. So I started there. So I started the entrepreneurial journey since then. It's a family business and a business that I'm still a part of. Wonderful. So, so you had this, you had the passion for dance or it was just like, well, I might as well do it. Mom and dad are in it. Well, when you're born into it, there's no question whether it's a passion or not. It just kind of grows within you and you, you just, you know, go with the flow and, and, dance. And, and you just, yes. And you just do it. You know, uh, so it's a passion. Yes, uh, I haven't done it. Let me say up front, I have not danced in many, many years. So so don't ask me if you still dance and get out there. No, I don't. And what <laughs> kind of dance did you do when you did dance? Well, I actually went to university to do dance. Oh, I went to university to do ballet, modern dance and uh, switched midstream and did social sciences because okay. I realized that the dance world, even though my parents did very well and still continue to do so, I did not, uh, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do other things. And uh, I just pursued that, but I'm still part of the family business. And uh, they do a lot of uh, children's classes and a lot of ballroom and Latin. So that, okay. that's the space that we're into now. 
Excellent, excellent. I should talk to you about that offline. I, I used to teach sure. beginners Latin dance and I definitely want to get back into dance. And so it would be great to, to be able to take some advanced dance classes with my husband. Awesome. Yes. So, but so, so then you're, you're in school. So how, how does it, how do you decide to switch courses midstream and how did your parents take it? Well, I didn't tell them <laughs> for about two semesters. Nice. And uh, I just didn't know how to do it because, you know, when you're born into that, into any family business of the expectation, and I'm the first child. Of how so many? the expectation of three. Okay. So the expectation was that I will go to university, come back and run the business and, you know, expand and, and, and do what you have to do in a family business. So that was the expectation. So I did not know how to switch. Well, to communicate that I switched um, midstream during uh, my, my time abroad. So uh, I eventually told them and they were fine with it. They understood it. Once I remain part of the business and I still am up to today. Very so nice. Very dutiful daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very dutiful, very loyal and very, very, very much in to our business, our family business. And are your, is your brother and sister? Are they uh, two brothers, two, two brothers. younger brothers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they are in the business as well. Excellent. Okay. Yes. So then you decide you're going to pursue social sciences. And so you graduate and then you, what did you, what do you decide to do? Well, I came back to Trinidad. I did it abroad and I came back to Trinidad and went back, well, went into the business because I just came back home and my father was like, well, you're not going to come back home and not do anything or look for a job. There's a job waiting for you. So I went straight into managing the business. And then I started to look for something within my field. Mm -hmm. And then public relations came calling. So um, I went with Family Planning Association. I was their PR officer. At that time, I had no clue of public relations. And uh, so people ask me, well, how did you get into it? I, it found me. I didn't look for it. It found me. Uh, Hetty Sargent at, at the Family Planning Association at the time, she saw this young person who just came out of university, very hungry, very focused and, and wanted to, to learn. And uh, threw myself into, into this. And um, that was it. She she taught me the fundamentals of public relations working in the Family Planning Association, which, as people may know, it's an NGO, with, local NGO with international links. So I got that, that training immediately. That's a really interesting point because we talk a lot about leaders and, their, and on their leadership journey and how they lead and how they get to the highest offices, but we don't necessarily talk about how do you spot up and coming talent? How do you spot um, potential leaders, potential future leaders and give them those opportunities, especially when they have no experience and something as public facing as PR, I cannot tell you that I would have been as, as open and as ambitious to say, you know what, you're out of school. I think you can do PR for us. Yeah, yeah. It's a risk. To her it's credit. A risk. To her credit. And to her credit, and, and with, to which I'm very grateful. And uh, it's something that I see up to today. You know, how do you spot that talent? Because it has come full circle, because I now have to hire people 
for my company. Yeah. So it's it's the same process. And I look for, and I think this is what she has told me as well. So I use the lessons from then uh, for my business. Now, she has told me that that she she wanted someone that she can mold. Mm-hmm. And someone who wants to be mold, molded. Someone mm-hmm. who is interested in 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 the field. I I mean I knew what public relations was, but I never thought I wanted to do it. So once I understood the fundamentals of it, I said, okay, I I can deal with this. And uh, she was able to to kind of guide me on that path. And I gave myself to the the process. You know, people talk about trust the process. Mm-hmm. So luckily I had someone that I can put my trust in and, and I was guided accurately. I was, you know, and it turned out to be your life's work, your passion, your exactly. Yeah, exactly. And she remains my mentor up to today. And I, I have other mentors as well as I moved along my journey, uh, all women, interestingly, and, um, they too, I trusted the process and, uh, you know, that's what led me. So then from family planning, where did you go? I went to TCL group of companies. Mm. Uh, and that's Trinidad Cement, Cement Limited. Yeah. Yes. With, and, and as their PR manager for the Caribbean. So, oh, no, so no, how? no. I missed out. I missed out something in between. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. No, it, it's been <laughs> senior moment. So be, uh, right after family planning, I went to First Citizens Bank. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I was just about to say, went, how long were you at family planning before you were ready to take on this regional role? Yeah, I was, exactly. I was there for five years at, at FPA. And then I went to First Citizens as their PR, PR manager. And uh, uh, I stayed there for another five years. Mm-hmm. And that is where I I really took the grounding that I got from the Family Planning Association and and put it to use because now I went in as a, a manager. Uh, I didn't go into FP as a manager, I went in as an officer. Mm-hmm. So, but because it's such a small organization and because of who Hetty Sargent was, she forced you to, to manage and she forced you into the leadership position. Right. So I was well-grounded to take up this position at First Citizens. And as their manager, it was also uh, very early after the merger of the banks, those, the three banks. So I'm, you know, you're talking about 20 something plus years ago. So (laughs) it's it's not recent. And at that time, the the banks had had recently merged. I think they were like two or three years into it. Mm -hmm. So there was... Uh, four cultures, as as I call it, each from the 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 um, banks prior, and then the new first citizens culture mm. of which I was a part of. Right. So uh, in the PR managerial role, you had uh, four cultures to deal with, and it, it you know you know how when you are challenged, you are forced to grow up. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. That is what happened, you know. So moving from a small entity, family business, a small uh, uh, organization into a pretty large organization. Yeah, and complicated and, you know, heavily regulated. And That's correct. That's correct. 
and um, you know, dealing with there were I think uh, about a hundred managers there at the time, oh. and uh, the staff were in the thousands. Uh, um, so it was a lot to deal with, and um, and you know, uh, this evolution of of a new bank that was on its way. Um, so there was a lot to deal with. Yeah, and uh, we had no choice but to. Uh, push through with this fourth culture, this new brand, this new entity, this new way of thinking, and and help uh, those in within the organization internally and externally to uh, with this whole process. Now, how much of the communications was internally focused versus externally focused? Given that you were dealing with a merger, all kinds of different cultures coming together, all kinds of people who might have been worried and concerned about the future of the institution, their future individually? Was it mostly externally facing or was it a lot of internally facing? What was that distribution like? You know, as I reflect on it, I can't even say that it was evenly distributed. We just had to deal with it as it came mm. because there were so many projects that were just overlapping each other that you had to to ensure that both internal and external audiences were were taken care of and that's the thing with communication you have you can't necessarily say okay uh i can i can divorce myself from this particular audience at this time depending on the project of course but most of the times you have to deal with both internal and external yeah there are other professions that can choose yeah. which audience they're dealing with and and that's good for them but on the communication side and especially you know fast forward to now and when i speak to women in leadership we talk about communicating for various audiences mm-hmm. and back then no one form of communication can work it is has always been and it continues to be uh, uh, a layered approach, a multifaceted approach in your communication. Unpack that and for when, me. Yeah, and when you get, when you understand that, and you 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 know how to deal with each audience as it is presented to you, then you deal with it accordingly. So, so for example, example, perfect. Yes. Yeah. For example, if you are any leader, male or female, and you're talking to the media, mm-hmm. know that you're not speaking to the media only. You're speaking using the media to your intended audiences. Mm-hmm. So depending on the issue, you may be speaking to your primary stakeholders. Yes. You may be speaking to um, your customers, but you may, be you may also be to speaking to, correct. You also speak to your employees. Yeah. You yeah. also speak to, let's say you operate in a particular community mm. and there's an issue within that community. When you go on the media, don't think that you're speaking to the wider public. Right. You're rarely speaking to the community as well as other 
stakeholders. Mm. So that is one of the things that, that, that leaders need to understand. And I know I'm, I'm flouncing between my experience sure. and, 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 you know, the, the yeah. recommendations I give to, uh, to, to my clients. While right. So how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you sort of sit and unpack that? So do you think about, okay, this is what I'm communicating and this is the audience that, that I want to reach, but here are all of the other people listening. And this is, do you sort of craft the message and then say, look at it through each lens or how do you, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Well, one tip I always tell them is visualize who you're speaking to at that mm. time. Okay. So line up all the people in your mind and say, okay, in your mind and how who, will they receive it? Yeah. And how, and, and how do you speak to them? Yeah. Because you may, you know, we always talk about using very simple language, but mm-hmm. when you, you look at, at leaders in, in various sectors, there's a jargon that's unique to that sector that yeah. is unique to that company that is unique to that managerial uh, space. Mm-hmm. When you are talking to external audiences, you can't use the jargon that you're using yeah. internally. Yeah. So you have to know. So I say to them, I said, okay, if you're talking to your mass public, yeah. your customers, you know, if you're in retail and you're talking to, to your mass customers, um, think about you're sitting in a Makti taxi from Arima to Portrespeed and you're talking to people in the maxi taxi you're not going to use your jargon yeah that is unique to your company you're not going to use technical language you're not yeah gonna you use... know acronyms and yeah. yeah no I always tell people sit, tell me like you're telling your granny that way you exactly. know that it's you know it's something that is universally yeah. acceptable exactly it might be technological it might be complicated Make it simple. And if you can't make it simple, then you don't understand it well enough. You don't, you don't. And I'm not yeah. by no means saying dumb it down. It's not yeah. a dumb it down. No, it's it is speaking it in simple language. Yeah. Make the language accessible so that so that people don't feel excluded by virtue of just the lang- the language. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is a really, really good point. So then tell me, then you went to to uh, TCL. Yes, and I went to TCL. So TCL gave me my my first foray into Caribbean, into the Caribbean space, mm-hmm. because TCL is a Caribbean company mm-hmm. uh, with offices in in Jamaica, Barbados, and Anguilla at the time. I don't know what if they've expand, expanded now, but they've been uh, taken then, over by another by another company yes, that they, is completely, yeah. completely completely regional. Yeah, completely. Exactly. So everywhere they have a footprint. Exactly. So it's different now, but then Mm -hmm. that is what it was. And so it's my experience, my first experience uh, dabbling in the regional space. And I had to learn very quickly because uh, the company had offices in, in these other markets. So I had to make sure that I was able to communicate uh, to the various stakeholders especially the media, which was a key part of, of, mm-hmm. of my position. And uh, um, so get to know who's, who's in the market, uh, who are the government officials, who are the media, uh, who are the critical persons that, that we need to know, uh, et cetera. So that, that put me into that space. And then uh, Coca-Cola came calling and uh, they uh, headhunted me and I went there as the public relations 
uh, manager for the Caribbean. So this is Coca-Cola International. And uh, I had a reporting line. I had a, a Caribbean boss. I had a Costa Rican boss. I had a Mexican boss. And I had a one in Atlanta. Mm. So I was serving different different beasts. I, <laughs> as I they almost, call it. Beasts in, in, in the ask, most respectful yeah, of way. Of course, yeah. But, I, yeah. you know... I almost want to ask, like, what was that challenge like? Because I just feel like when organizations just um, create these structures, that that it just, to me, never makes any sense because it's so complicated. <laughs> and, you you know, you're serving this, and I'm sure all lovely people, but this four-headed beast, um, mm-hmm. it, it is bound to get difficult. But how do you, how do you manage communications for family planning, versus banking, versus cement, versus beverages? And how do you get the depth of knowledge about that particular industry so that you can communicate simply and clearly and, and without barriers across so many different industries? Mm-hmm. But first you have to know the business. So each time I had a new chapter in my journey, my first task, even though I've always been thrown into the deep end, but my first task was always, I need to learn this business quickly. Mm. Now I will never, and, and, and you never really get to, to do a deep dive into the business, but deep mm. enough for you to understand the business. So you need to understand the, 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 the business that you're working in mm-hmm. you, and then apply the communication concepts to that particular business. There is no one quick fix for every company. There's not an umbrella approach. You have to target, you have to customize your communications for each business. So by understanding the the business and its needs, then you are able to customize your communications to suit. Now, the thing about it is that I have, and I've learned this in Coca-Cola. Uh, Coca-Cola, one of their mantras was to always uh, think from the outside in mm. because the company operates globally. There were some fundamental uh, um, generalized approaches to communication. Mm-hmm. But it was always guided by the market that you're in. Yeah. So That's if you don't incredibly yes, customized, yeah. Exactly. Because you so you know what the company wants, but you have to communicate it in the way that is relevant to that market. Yeah. That 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 not only the the what the customers want in that market, but what the bottling plants in each market requires. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able, so it's 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 two two approaches because you have to go through the bottler, the bottlers as we call it back then. And uh, so which is the manufacturing plants in each market. Mm-hmm. So you have to, to work with them and target the, the general Coca-Cola themes and topics and issues through them 
to get to the customers. So there was levels of customization mm -hmm. as you move along. And every single market was different. Oh, wow. And the thing about it is And how many markets did you cover? I handled the entire English-speaking Caribbean. So for people so, who, yeah. So for people who don't know how many islands that would be. Um, hmm. I don't even want to guess now. I haven't, I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's like, ooh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to guess and, and, and guess wrong. Oh, well, I, you know, at, at one point I covered, I covered, um, the English speaking Caribbean for, for Lyme. And at the time it was 14 different territories. So it's at least 14 different markets with very, very different yeah, uh, yeah. perspectives and ways of doing yeah. things and, um, yeah. ways of communicating. And right now we have, we represent the company I work for. We represent 28 uh, Caribbean countries, most of which are in English speaking. So, okay. so, you know, it could be somewhere between. Somewhere so between somewhere 14 between and 14 and 28. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. And given that yeah. it was Coca-Cola, it was a lot. It would have been a yeah, lot. Yeah, it would be. It yeah. would be. And, and, and the thing about it, I mean, some were, some were larger markets than the others. So Right. And, so and, and there are mm -hmm. people who think, you know, the Caribbean is, 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 ubiquitous and and you know everybody's the same it, it could not be more different you know yeah. the way that we speak the way that we, we sound the the things that we care about as much as we share a lot in common we are as as similar as we are different and 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 as you think culturally every market is different yeah and that is the that is the upside and downside to working with an international company Mm -hmm. unfortunately they tend to think that the caribbean you know is one big market yeah and market. everybody's we're, the we're same not. yeah and we're not you know so that was always if you ask me what was my biggest challenge working there uh was just that yeah just for them to understand that that jamaica is very different to barbados that is very different to trinidad and tobago that's very different to saint lucia you know, to St. Vincent, to St. Kitts, to yeah. Grenada, to Bahamas. To, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think because we're small markets, it's easy to kind of say, oh, well, we'll just treat them all the same. But that's, that's, that's a, an, a very effective way of ensuring yeah. your decline. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, these large companies, it doesn't happen like that. But yes, yeah. it, 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 it's all, it was always a challenge. Always. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. And it's still a challenge because they are now our, one of our clients, Coca-Cola. Okay. So, okay. So, so we, we'll, it's we'll be nice to Coca-Cola. Yes. Yeah. So I am, and I'm, so I'm still trying to get the, the new ones in, in the same seat that succeeded me mm -hmm. to understand that it's still not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's not even as though it's in a straight line so that let's say everybody's different and everybody's proceeding in that difference. There are things that are changing. There are different influences that are impacting these markets. And so these markets are ever evolving in That's their right. differences. So you're dealing with yeah. a lot of different markets that are continuing to evolve and you have to stay on the pulse of what is now. Otherwise, it gets away from you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so how do you, in that context, coach leaders on, you know, PR and crisis communications? How do you, what are some of the things that, listen, 
if you know nothing else, this is what you should know. One of the things is what tone do you want to set mm. at the point of the crisis? Because the, the thing about crisis, crises mm. is that it is expected because we work with large organizations. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking in the, that context of, of working with large organizations. Yeah. Uh, multinationals, Caribbean-based, and, and locals. Yeah. And people expect those companies to have crisis. Mm -hmm. That is not what shocks people. Yeah. What shocks people is how you respond to the crisis. Yes. So that is one of the, the, the biggest challenges that or the aha moments that quite a few organizations um, get when we start working with them. Yeah, Richard Branson tells this amazing story um, in, in The Virgin Way. Um, I, think that's, I think that's the book. I've, I've read a lot of his books. But he talks about this amazing story of there being a train crash and, you know, just figuring out how to deal with it. And he was on holiday at the time and he was like, I have to get there. And then there was a snowstorm. And so he's driving from one city to another city in the snowstorm because he has to get to the site of that crash because people have, have been injured. And, yeah. uh, and, and so he's like, I, I will not, he said, forget about what others might think. I will not forgive myself if I am not there in this time of crisis, I have to be seen. I have to be out front and center. It can't be that we're only out front and center when it's when it's time for accolades, when there is grief and when there is um, when there's a crisis. You know, I have to be seen, and I have to. People have to know that I care. Yeah, and that that tells me two things. Well, one is that people see him as the face of the brand. Of course, yeah. And in 2022, especially coming out of COVID, leadership across the board in large organizations, they're all, especially the CEOs and those are right under the CEO or considered leadership, they are the face of the brand. Yeah. A couple of years ago, that was not so. You know, it the, the brand, the could have held it itself within the organization. So it doesn't matter who is at the helm. Yeah. Things have changed. People now expect leaders to be seen. They have to speak, they have to communicate yeah. and they have to communicate regularly. Yeah. So that is now, that, that is the space that we're in and that is what leadership has to get. So when you're in a crisis, you have to come out and say something. Yeah. So some might say, okay, well, I don't have anything to say. Yes, you do. Yes. Because listen, we don't know what's happening right now, but this is, this is the next. Exactly. exactly. Oh my gosh. Listen to me. You have now hit the nail on the thing that 
absolutely infuriates my life in in business because they're like oh well there's nothing to say I said so it means that you're done with it you're not doing anything you have nothing more to do like no we're gonna check in and I was like oh are you gonna check in so you can tell them you're gonna check in when are you gonna check in oh I don't know I'm gonna check in in a couple of hours so put a time on it and tell them I'm gonna check in and then if there is something yeah. to tell at that point, I will let you know. If there's not anything to tell at that point, I will also let you know. And then I'll let you know when I check in again. But mm -hmm. it can't be that there's nothing to tell because you, you, you haven't planned to, to run away and hide. So you have no. to say something. And, yeah. and that's the thing, just, just being able to, to keep the lines of communication open. And like from the time somebody has to contact you to ask you about a problem you have lost because they believe you've forgotten them. Because they had to reach out to you and you didn't reach out to them proactively. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you've lost the opportunity to shape the narrative. Of course. You know, or so, I mean, that, that's, so what I just said irritates me to the bone because, but it's, it's a true statement. Yeah. So people are, oh, we have to get in front of the story. We have to shape the narrative. You can't shape a narrative you can't get in front of a story with a press release mm -hmm. only right of course with very little information by the way of course of course right and and then you're upset that that you it's gotten away from you yeah yeah <laughs> it's gotten and away from also, you and there are also those leaders and i will not call any names but in the time of crisis they get indignant like what do they expect and I'm like they expect leadership they expect yeah, responses yeah. they expect you to, yeah. to own the issue and they expect you to help them feel safe and feel calm mm -hmm. and that is and that you don't you don't get to that from a place of of hubris you get to that by displaying vulnerability and saying listen this is what I know and this is what I don't know and there may be some things I can't tell you but yeah. here's where we are. And I mean, yeah. and I'm not saying that, that I am a perfect example of that, but I'm just saying that is the kind of leadership that I've received well. When somebody is, is authentic enough to say, listen, this is what I know and this is what I don't know. And there may be some things I can't share with you. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I respect that. I understand that. Not everybody's going to understand, but I understand that. Treat me like a grown-up and I will behave like a grown-up. When you find people acting like children, it's because they've been treated like children and nobody's telling them anything and then they get upset. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you've said it way better than I would. So, no, it just gets very, very frustrating when, you know, and, and I think if there's one thing that I want all of us to get is that in, in times of, of challenge or crisis, if you are working on the problem, there is always something to share. There is always yeah. something to share. Even yeah. if it is, I don't know, but here's the next thing I plan to do to find out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and at the same time, you're still listening to your legal of advice. Of course. Yes. But, yes, yes. but you can still communicate. Yes. And you can come out and say, listen, I care. I care. You mm -hmm. know? And I mm -hmm. realize that, that, the industries and the, the roles that I would have held may have not been as high stakes as some of these other leaders who are who feel backed into a corner. But I definitely feel that if you operate from a place of, well, I need to stick within the legal ramifications of the law, and, and yes, you absolutely should. But if you use that as an excuse not to find a way to connect with people, 
during these times and be human about it human oh my god yeah so so beautiful so beautiful you know yeah Mm -hmm. nobody's expecting somebody with a cape to fly in no no and that is the thing and and that is that is the the that has always been the challenge where it's really how you respond yeah people understand when there is a crisis because it's a nature of your business yeah give whatever business you're talking about there there could be some level of crisis there yeah that's not the issue is how you respond yeah and i think a lot of a lot of leaders fear criticism so much that they rather say nothing than be criticized but you know what guess what you will be criticized regardless yeah, yeah. might as well take criticism for something that you're proud of yeah and that that you were that you own with that you are authentic with yeah 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 that you can go home Mm -hmm. and sleep and think you know what i have no issues with how that went down people Mm -hmm. can say what they want to say i feel good about it because i feel like i did my best and i showed that i cared and 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 i am doing what i know to be right for the people yeah 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 and and that level also has to be that tone once it's set at the top you find it will trickle throughout the organization and that the the tone of the organization will change over time that's such a good point so i'm going to ask you a tricky question now because that dynamic and i know you know you came to me Lisanne, because one of the leaders that I most revere recommended you and she recommended you as someone who coached her. I was like, well, listen, if you coached her, then I'll follow behind you anywhere because she (laughs) is like top of the top of the top. She is. She is. So when, when we think about this, this authenticity and this humanness and this crisis communication, you know, I, I don't want to to discount the fact that women are often held to a much higher standard and the women who rise to the top of the corporate ladder normally do so by being sometimes a bit more muted and and less less sort of emotionally available because you know we're not the ones who've set the game but we have to play as it's laid so you'll find a lot more leaders who are female leaders who are you know, mirroring men sometimes mm-hmm. in, their, in their sort of how they present. And so how do we look at crisis communication through a gender lens? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say communications on a whole. Mm-hmm. Crisis would be yeah. a, a, another aspect. On a mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so the, I would say, so I've said it uh, in terms of coaching many female executives the examples are around you. The, you take what you want to take and you choose to disregard what you don't want. Mm-hmm. And if it helps, if it is that, that all around you are men, then what, what can I learn from this process in order to assert myself within the boardroom? Mm-hmm. And, and then use that to your advantage. I don't necessarily say mirror men or, or, or do like what the men do, but, you know, it's around you. So use those okay. as examples. But 
Beyond that, know your worth, know your value. And unfortunately, this comes up a lot when I'm coaching female executives. There's a reason why you are placed in this position. Mm. Your talent, your skills, your you know, qualifications, Tenacity. your experience, <laughs> everything is packaged for a reason. And you were placed in this position for a reason. So nothing is wrong with asserting yourself and, and, and not accepting anything that devalues you in any way. Yeah, trust the process that got you there. Even exactly. If, even while continuing to work on, on improving and continuing to be better and trying to meet the moment that you're currently in. Because sometimes All right. um, what got you there won't keep you there. But, won't keep you there. Yeah, but you have to figure that out. So I want to end on the best piece of advice you've been given. The best piece of advice that I've been given. Know your worth. Okay. Know your worth. Know your value. Stop allowing the work to speak for you at all times. Mm. You have to, you have to know when to say, this is part of a team. Our work speaks for ourselves. And then you have to know when you have to say, I led this team and with my leadership, we were successful. Mm. To take and that, that yeah. is the, and you have to, so it may come across as selfish. It may come across as arrogant. It may come all, come across as, as whatever negative thing that you want to think, but it's part of you asserting yourself because People, you can't expect people to know what you've done yeah. if you don't say if it. If you don't tell them, oh my goodness, I think that's such a like a chronic issue in in yes. in female leadership is that we yeah. want to make sure everybody gets credit and and then we expect people to just know without ever saying what we were able to accomplish. Absolutely exactly. true. Such a fantastic note to end on. Yeah. Lisa Anne, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm thank definitely going to get in touch with you about a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you <laughs> so much for having me. I really appreciate this. I'm glad that the that the um technological gods allowed us to have this allowed us to have this conversation. You guys don't know how challenging it was. <laughs> We had many mishaps. Murphy was active in this in this dialogue, but I'm glad. But Murphy did not conquer. No, it didn't, because we are we have stick to itiveness, and we decided yeah. that listen, we know our worth, and we're yep. going to do what we know we need to do for sure. Fabulous! Thank you all so much, and please be sure to like and subscribe and comment on the video. We are available on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, and we look forward to hearing your recommendations for other leaders that we should interview. And we look forward to speaking to you again. Bye. Bye.